Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time that you have given us. We pray that you would bless your word here this morning, uh, even that we would uh, consider an aspect of our faith in these last times so that we could not be wasting our time or having uh, disconnected, disoriented, uh, distracted. Um, We pray, Father God, that our faith would be intentional and deliberate and we would present ourselves to please you in all things, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, that our devotion and the priority of our existence would be surrendered and rendering unto you all the glory, all the honor, all the worship, all the power belongs to you, Jesus. You be glorified, you be exalted. You take the earth by storm so that all peoples in all places would bow their knees and confess with their mouth that you are Lord. We give you thanks for your spirit. We give you thanks for your word and prosper it today in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to say that here the first right of our Christian faith is to be able to understand. A lot of people have faith in a lot of things But in these last days, God wants us to be lined up with his desire. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, without faith, if you don't have abiding faith in your heart, it's impossible to please God. That's what faith is all about. It's not about you. It's not about church. It's not about religion. It's about pleasing God. Last night I was offended as I was looking at the Fox channel and had this guy Stossel saying why he doesn't believe in God and why he doesn't need religion and why he hasn't found it and why he doesn't understand it. Listen to me. Those who do not want to please the God of heaven will never understand faith. And Jesus said that. He says, you don't understand because you have no desire to please God. Let's not try to get people convinced to come to faith when they're not convinced that they need to please God. Uh, When you want to please God, you want to give him those things that please him. You want your marriage to please him. You want your children to please him. You want your finances to please him. You want your time to not be wasted, but to please him. And those who come to God to please him must believe that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. From the time I was 16 years old, and I didn't know what faith was, I didn't know who God was, but as I surrendered to God, and I began to line up my life, getting away from bad friends, uh, bad influences, I started pleasing my parents, which is like an impossibility when you're a teenager. Um, uh, There's such a rebellion in your heart, but the faith led me to honor my parents. That was the first verse I read when I became a Christian. It was Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. It says, um, children, honor your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And you couldn't convince a young person that this is right. Because the whole culture was against this that was right. We were living upside down. And then verse 2 says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. God from heaven looks down to the earth and tells young people, if you honor your mom and dad, There's a promise that goes with it. What is the promise? Verse 3, that everything will go well with you, that it may be well with you, and that you'll live long upon the earth. These are two promises for young people that line up their lives to please God. Well, I was so rebellious, I was arguing with myself. And as I read this, I said, and what if I don't? I was arguing, what if I don't? And he says, well, just flip that around. It's not going to go well with you, and you're going to live a short time upon the earth. I said, you convinced me. 
I don't want it to go wrong with me and I don't want to live a short time on the earth. I don't want God to wipe me out, in other words. So I began to ask my parents for forgiveness and say, I want to begin to obey you. I want to honor you. I want to learn what this means. And that has led to an incredible life that I've, left, uh, I've lived the last 30 years. And, and I plan to continue to inherit a, a glorious, peaceful, joyful promises in my life. Not because of I'm, I'm being good or there's something about me, but because there's something good about Jesus. There's something good about listening to him and bringing your heart before him. And so that's the rewards that it's talking about there in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 6, where he says, if you please him and you believe in him, he rewards those who diligently seek him. Diligent means that you're doing it on clock. You don't want to be all over the place. Diligently, we have defined as doing the right thing at the right time. If you do the right thing at the wrong time, you miss out. And if you do the wrong thing at the right time, you miss out. So you must do the right thing at the right time, and then you'll see the fruits of prosperity. Now, what has been the dilemma of faithful people all over the world in Matthew 16, 1, is this thing about us asking God that he would show us a sign. Because all of us will behave if we know that God is coming back tomorrow. How many say amen? We're not going to waste time. If God's coming tomorrow, we're getting ready today. So tell us when he's coming. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came testing him saying that he would show them a sign from heaven. Show us what this time will be. And so along that time, uh, chapter, uh, verse 2, he says, uh, and he answered them saying, when it is evening, you know it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And verse 3 says, when it is morning, you know it will be foul weather when you see the clouds. And you see uh, the signs. Um, and then he says, hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the, sky, the, the signs of the times. When there's clouds outside, you know there's going to be thundering, raining. It's going to be a bad day. Well, he wants you to know that, that you can tell the times of the Lord by looking the, at the climate we're living in. And listen to me, no time upon earth has the climate been so dark. No time upon the earth. There was three places that God created for man's safety. Ready? The womb. The womb is a place of protection where you put a baby in there and he develops and nobody better mess with mama's womb because she's not going to let it. Well, guess what has become the most dangerous place upon the planet because of abortion and selfish people? It's the womb. It's, it's where people are just ripping out babies left and right. And the womb has become the most dangerous place upon the planet. The second place is the family. God created family so mom and pop would take care of you and protect you and make sure nobody messes with you. But because of selfishness, divorce has come in and destroyed that sacred place of, of protection that God has provided. Where your spiritual goodness and development. Since my parents began to get divorced, I began to say, wait a second, if mom and dad don't love each other, love doesn't exist. That was my conclusion at 16. And if love doesn't exist, I'm going to raise hell. And so family became a distraught. Thank God for Jesus Christ. He rescued my family and he restored our home and I was able to heal in that regards. The third place is the church. This is the third place that God has created upon the earth to protect people. This is a place of protection. Why? There's a shepherd that's taking care of sheep and is going to destroy wolves. Any wolf that comes in this place is in big trouble. You're in big trouble, my friend, because you want to rip the head off of a sheep, but I'm going to rip your head off. It's really powerful, really, really powerful. But 
because people do not come to the flock of the Lord. They're not part of the church. They're just exposed to being devoured by wolves and bears and lions. And so it's a safe place to grow up in church. And those people that grow up are fruitful. Uh, They have solid marriages. They have solid families, solid finances. The devil can't touch them. In Acts chapter 24, verse 20, Paul says these words, When I leave from among you, I know that wolves will come in. Acts 20, 29. Here he goes. This is Paul. He's one of the shepherds of the field. He says, For I know this, that after my departure, when I leave, savage wolves will come in and not spare the flock. What's that mean? When there's a real shepherd around, there's no wolves coming in. And we're raising up a generation of shepherds. And you could tell very few and far between the, she- uh, the wolves that try to come in here. Uh, they, they're watched very closely. I, 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 we, put, we lift up the lift a little bit. We see a canine there. Their head's off. Because sheep don't have canine. Uh, wolves have canine. They have teeth that, that uh, they're wanting to devour the sheep. So in this regard, as God is trying to tell us that his coming is imminent, Luke 21, 27 says, they will see the son of man coming in the clouds. The climate will be such that he will come back with power and great glory. Verse 28 says, when these things begin to take place, when he starts talking about the spiritual climate of our day, Yes, it says, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. It's almost like Jesus is about to come back. And you know what's going to be the, the climate of when Jesus comes back? Those people that have not lived for Jesus, those people that have not been right with God, in Revelation 6, 16, we have a little glimpse of these people. Um, it says from kings that are upon the earth that are talking all this garbage of what they're going to do or what they're going to do. They said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall upon us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. Isn't this incredible that these guys are, uh, let's go to verse 15 real quick. Who are these people? The kings of the earth, great men, rich men, commanders, mighty men, every slave, every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. These guys are not going to want to come and confront the Lord. They've been doing so many things upon the earth, going, going crazy, doing all these things and, and being in all these places. And, and all of a sudden when Jesus comes back, they're like, uh-oh. We forgot we were supposed to be close to God, living for him, knowing him, serving him. And they're going to want, it says, the mighty men hid themselves in caves and in rocks of the mountains. They don't want to be found. And they even said in verse 16, they said, let the rocks, the mountains and the rocks fall upon us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the lamb. Verse 17, for great the great day of wrath has come. Who will be able to stand? I, I have an obligation and a responsibility, and sometimes I don't do well in this, which is I have to let the people of God know that, that you're called to give God your best, your priority, your first. He, he's worthy of that. He, he calls you to that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. You're not to be uh, uh, contemplating other things. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 says, this is the word of the Lord, Old Testament. Chapter 2, verse 2. 
Now it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house, that's called the church, it shall come in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above all the hills and all nations shall come to it. Um, this is the only place that will prepare you to face God is church. Verse 3, it says, many people shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He's going to teach us his ways and we will walk in his path. For it's out of here that the law of the Lord comes and the word of the Lord. There's no place upon the earth that will talk to you what you're hearing today. Thank God you came to church. If you would have gone to the beach today, you'd be watching some radio station. Uh, there would be a symphony. There would be music. Elvis Presley is singing. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. All this is going on. But at church, you're being prepared that Jesus is about to come back. And you need to be living a life that it honors him. That lives for his benefit. That you talk to your children and say, let us go to the house of the Lord where he will teach us his ways. Where we will walk in his path. Where, where his instruction goes forth and the word of the Lord we're hearing. This is 500 years before Jesus comes. And then verse 4 says, and he shall judge between nations. And he's going to hold a lot of people responsible. And it says, nations shall not lift up sword against the nation. Neither shall they learn how to war anymore. And so in this paragraph, uh, I want to show you again that when God shows up, very important, verse 5, he says, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Don't walk in darkness. Don't, don't follow the ways of the world. Walk in the lightness of God. Verse 6, for the people have forsaken the house of Jacob. Why do they stop serving the Lord? They are filled with Eastern ways. When you're talking about Eastern ways, it's talking about New Age. Here's the philosophy of New Age. You're God. You do whatever you want, however you want, with whoever you want, the times you want, and you serve yourself, and you even tell God, God, you need to bless me. You need to serve me. And so the Eastern philosophies put you on the throne and take Jesus off. They are soothsayers. They, they convince you to leave God behind. They try to seduce you away like the Philistines. These are the enemies of God, the giant that came against David. They are pleased with the children of foreigners. Let's find out what rebellious children are doing. We're going to walk in their ways. We're going to watch. It was, it was called the British Invasion. I don't know if you guys remember. Ready? The Beatles and the Rolling Stones. And so we're following the children of foreigners and not the children of God. Instead of teaching obedience and submission and honor and respect, the Rolling Stones means move those barriers, move those boundaries. And the, the, the result was their song, I can get no satisfaction. Though I try and I try, life is not worth living because I'm not living it like God wants me to live. And so John Lennon also says, Jesus Christ is not to be famous, I'm famous. I'm more famous than Jesus Christ. That's called an antichrist. It's a spirit that is against the Lord. And so he says these people have walked like the foreigner's children. And you know what we have done? We have wanted, I have a friend that bought his son um, that little game called Hero. What's it called? Guitar Hero. And it's one rock song after another rock song after another rock song. <laughs> And now his son is 15 years old and he, he walks around like this. 
And I go, hey, Tony, do you understand what's happening to your son? He goes, no, I don't know how it happened. He goes, yes, you do. Ever since you bought me that game, the son told his dad, that game messed me up. <laughs> With nervous twigs and one rock song after another rock song. And you know why? It's for not taking him to the house of the Lord. For not bringing him to the spirit of God. So you put that video in front of him and you just let him become whatever that video is caused. And that, that was the number one selling toy a couple of Christmases ago. Well, this world is filled with those who have forsaken the house of God. Verse 7. And it says like this. He says, their land is full of silver and gold. They have provision. It's not like they don't have provision. There's people, well, I don't want to go to church because they want to take my tithe. And then they go and buy a $100,000 boat. They're taking their gold and silver. Instead of serving God, they're serving the things of this world. No wonder when God shows up, they're going to want to hide. They're wanting to run. They, they don't want to be seen. They're telling the rocks fall upon us. Their land is full of silver and gold. There's no end to their treasures. I have one guy. He's bought like 15, what are they called? Uh, Timeshares. He doesn't go to any of them. He's, he has 15. You're timesharing what for? Bless the house of God. Bless the work of God. Bless the kingdom of God. So that when you stand before Jesus, you're like, yes, sir. I've been doing what you want the whole time you've been away. I've been about your business. Their land is full of horses. That talks about strength. And the people, they're out there dancing till 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. They come to church and, man, I've been standing for three songs. I'm tired. How, how long is these people going to make me? They dance all night like Lionel Richie. Dance the night away. And they come to the house of God and they're like, man, how much longer? Three songs, really? It's amazing. They're full of strength. They're full of horses. Their chariots have no end. There's no end to their chariots. And people say, I don't have time to go to church. And then you ask them where they've been in the last six months. They've been to St. Augustine, to Fort Myers, to Sanibel. They've been to Bahamas. They've been everywhere. The only place they don't have time for is where? The house of God. They don't have time for God. And so I'm here to tell my church, as a leader of this church, we're going to give our best to the God who deserves the best all the time, all the places, with all our strength. We can't muster. There's not even enough time during the day. We're not sleeping no more. All our time is consumed to be about the Lord's business. Even in our dreams, we're preaching to people. We're, we're about the Lord's business. We're consumed with the rock of ages. And these people are consumed with their idolatry. Verse 8, their land is full of idols. They worship the works of their hands, that which their own fingers have made. People bow down. Each man humbles himself. Therefore, do not forgive them, Lord. Verse 10, enter into the rock and hide us in the dust for the terror of the Lord and the glory of the majesty. Verse 11, the proud man looks and shall be humbled. The haughty man shall be bowed down and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Verse 12, for the day of the Lord shall come upon every proud and lifted up lofty. Upon everything lifted up, it shall be brought down low. Upon the cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up. Upon the oaks of Bashan. Upon the high mountains. Upon the hills that are lifted up. Upon every high tower. Upon every fortified wall. The ships that call themselves beautiful. Verse 17, people that go out there and they say, look at my yacht. She's a beauty. I called her princess. I said, brother, you better look at the Prince of Peace 
or else you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble, my friend. You're lost. You're blind. You're miserable. Verse 17, the loftiness, everything that man has lifted up will be brought down. The pride of man will be brought low. The Lord alone. Say with me, the Lord alone. The Lord alone will be exalted on that day. On that day, you're going to want to wish that you grabbed everything that's just been sitting there. Everything that you value, that's earthly, that's temporal, that's passing. You're going to wish all that stuff was at the feet of Jesus. And you're going to say, Jesus, look what I have for you. It's too late, my friend. You didn't use it for the gospel. You didn't use it for the kingdom. God gave you sufficient and more and in abundance. And you gave nothing to God. What's going to happen on that day? It's too late. It's too late. You're not going to be able to fix it. Verse 18 says, these idols that we have, we hoarded up shall be utterly abolished. They'll be thrown in the trash. You get no credit for it, my friend. You can't tell Jesus you had it in, you got it like the man with the talents. Lord, you gave me all this, but I hid it. I put it, I buried it. He says, you wicked and lazy man, get away from me. Depart from me. I never knew you. Ain't that going to be a crazy day? There's going to be a crazy day. That which you gave me, I buried. It has no return. I didn't put it to the use. This is like putting fuel in the gas tank. The fuel that rockets the kingdom of God needs to be in the tank so we continue to move in the direction of God's pleasure. I'm not talking about like the miserable people says, well, um, Isaiah chapter 3, this is the attitude. The next chapter, this guy is called upon. Isaiah 3 verse 6. Let me, get, let me see if that's it. Yeah. The man will take hold of his brother, and this is the guy that's in his house of his father, and says, you have clothing. That means you have something to give. You be our leader and help us with these ruins to, to help us get us broken marriages, broken families, broken children, broken society, broken nations. Verse 7, help us. And he will say, watch this, verse 7, I don't have time. In that day, he will protest. I can't help you with your problems. For in my house, I don't have food or clothing. It's a lie. He has abundant. He says, because you have, come on, get on board. Help us change the world. And he says, I can't because you know what? I need, this is what he says, ready? I need another million. They asked a, a Rockefeller, they asked him, listen to me, you have so many millions of dollars. When are you going to stop? He goes, when I get one more, one more, one more. That, that, is the, that is the spirit of the proud of this age. When Jesus shows up, they're going to want the mountains of their, or the craziness, to destroy them. Because they're going to be in the hot seat. I want to make sure that when Jesus comes back, I've given him my best. So that he alone is exalted in my life, in my family. That he alone is supreme God, King, Lord. We live in a time where everybody is their own Lord. So they do their own thing. But when Jesus comes in to be the king, you bow down. You bow down to the king. There's two kingdoms, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. King of kings and king of darkness. We have King Jesus in this place. We're going to honor him with our best. We're not going to settle. I'm not going to be in that place wanting the mountains to fall upon me, the rocks to fall upon me. I want him to be glorious. Let's stand this morning. Uh, Pebbles, come up here with your baby. We're going to present a baby to the Lord. We thank God for Pebbles' life and for her child.
And because she as a mom wants to bring her baby into the house of the Lord, to have the Lord bless him. It's a disservice what we're doing to our children, getting them before Game Box and Harry Potter and all this horrible stuff. And then when they're 14, 15, they're saying, you know something, I don't know God. I don't know the house of God. I don't know how to live. I don't know how to be a good son. I don't know how, how to be a wanting to be a good husband or father. Those teachings, come on up here, guy. Um, those teachings come from the kingdom of God, kingdom of light, peace, and joy. The extended family also come up here, please. Grandmas and deals and all sorts of family. We thank God. This is what the Bible says, that God puts a, the lonely in family. Look at that. He looks like a world changer. Good job, sir. Thanks for making, grooming him like that. Good job, Pebbles. You're doing great with this little boy. And we thank God for family. The Bible says in Psalm 68, verse 6, that God puts children in family because that's where they're protected. That's where they're provided for. That's where their, uh, their purpose lies, their identity, their legacy. The institution of family is what the devil hates. And if he could take you out of the family, you are a destroyed person. That's why the church is the greatest family upon the earth. And so the Bible says in Numbers chapter 6, verse 12, that you're to bless the children of God. And you're to, uh, 12, 6, Numbers 12, 6. Here now. Let's find it. Let's find it. Let's find it. This is, this is the instruction of the Lord for his people. He says, when a child is born, you're to bring him so that I could put my name upon him. So that he could know his God. 6, verse 23. Number 6, 23. Speak to Aaron and speak to his sons. This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Listen to me, Cubans, read your Bibles. It's not the Asabachi. It's not the the evil eye, whatever. This, This is the house of God. This is the word of God. This is how you bless your children. It's not all that stuff that we learn from pagan, Eastern, African philosophy and tradition and religion ceremony and ritual this is how you're to bless them verse 24 you shall say to them the Lord bless you and keep you that's who keeps children it's not witchcraft it's not words of you know there's some parents that grab a little egg and they rub it all over the kids because their great-grandmother taught them or sana sana here comes la rana those aren't the way we bless our children We read the Bible to find out how we bless our children. And we're to say to them, Lord bless you and keep you. Verse 25, the Lord make his face shine upon you. Let his light be glorious and and be gracious to you. Let God's goodness come upon your life. Verse 26. Next verse. The Lord lift his countenance up on you and give you peace. Peace comes from the Lord. Doesn't come from Sanax or your psychiatrist. Peace comes from the Lord. Verse 27. So they shall put my name upon the children and I will bless them, says the Lord. So extend your hands this way and let's present. What's the baby's name? Artemis. Artemis. And his father's name? Ryan. Ryan and Pebbles. Mm -hmm. Pebbles, Ryan, and Artemis. Last name? McFadden. McFadden. Let's pray for Artemis. Lord, thank you for Artemis. 
a champion, a warrior, a prince. Thank you that you gave him, Lord, to this family, God. You gave him to Ryan and to Pebbles to be a prince of nations, to be an honorable, obedient son, a son crowned with God's favor, with a spirit of a champion, Lord. Thank you for his father. Give him wisdom. And his mom, give her wisdom. Allow them to have a family according to the word of God. Allow the spirit of God to be upon this family that will bring peace and joy for many, many years, Lord. That prosperity be over this house so that they can train up Artemis in the ways of the Lord. So that he can know the character of his father in heaven. That he can know the wisdom of a godly, virtuous mom at home who respects and honors dad. So that he too might desire a family that will change the world. We give you thanks, Lord, for uh, declaring unto them blessing this day that they have brought them to the house of God. The extended family, Lord, allow them to be examples, Lord, and to be an encouragement. Father, that no weapon formed against him should prosper, Lord. That you put a hedge of thorns around Artemis in his comings and goings. That the angels encamp around him all the days of his life, Lord. And that he should praise you in the house of the Lord forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says, amen and amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go ahead and greet one another in the love of the Lord. The peace of God be upon you. The prosperity to make God first.